Hello and welcome to Reversal of the Muse. My name is Laura Marling and for those of you just joining us, this is a series of conversations that I've been having with women working in around in and around music studios, recording studios and a lot of musicians and a lot of uh, engineers and the one music producer who I could get my hands on. This week I'm talking to Marika Hackman and Marika and I are somewhat friends. So our chat was on the more informal side because we know each other quite well. The reception to her first album was small because it was her first record and she's not a mainstream artist, but it did get some attention and I was kind of morbidly fascinated by what they chose to focus on with her. Um, Rika is in possession of a quite extraordinarily beautiful face and um, it has very little to do with the music that she makes, obviously, but I think it's funny what a beautiful face can... um, bring out in people and um, perhaps preconcepted judgments of a person might come from that or um, and there's other there's other things that we discuss in the the podcast Um, me and Marika talk about a photo shoot a couple of photo shoots that she had to do when um, early on when she was promoting the record where um, people assumed that she was maybe a model and um, sometimes when you do shoots for magazines they put you in these clothes that are really expensive and you'd never wear and they're gross and they don't fit you properly and then they put you in all this makeup that makes you look like a lady of the night, should we say, that you'd never wear, especially Marie, someone like Marie, who's he's quite a sort of tomboy and doesn't wear makeup. I just think that's so weird. I think everybody should know that you don't need to do anything that you feel uncomfortable doing and doesn't represent you. And I don't feel like I was told that earlier on. And I think particularly for someone like Marika, who was shy and young, that sort of dangerous combination, she just assumed that people knew better, as you would. But I think we would both like people, young people going into whatever, that you can say no and that you don't need to be represented in that way. And not all women want to wear really expensive clothes and have makeup done. Anyway, this is our chat. I hope you enjoy. And um, please come and see us again at Reversal of the Muse. We booked you to play Secret Cinema. Yeah. And then I had a text the next day about going to Australia. Yes. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to lock that, I'm going to lock that down. Lock that down. Yeah. <laughs> it gets really, really good. So, yeah, so then shortly thereafter, we, we toddled off to Australia. Mm. And uh, we discovered that we both like an evening wine. Yes. Just not much, just one. Or two. <laughs> 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 so you were quite new to touring then? Yes, I guess that was I was about yeah just under a year into touring I suppose. And what had your experience of touring been prior to that? Um, well, so it's the first tour I did was with Benjamin Francis Lefwich. Um, it was like a baptism of fire, and it was uh, me on a bus with eleven guys mm-hmm. for five weeks. Yeah. Um, and I I didn't know anyone. Yeah. Like I just went down to Brighton and then got on the bus. I had no idea what any of the sort of like little subtle rules about things were and kind of I just learned it all along the way. Right. Um, and it was funny because the, f- the first week um, was really, really hard. And I, I felt very much like there was a slight, I don't know, like I, they told me later on when I got to know everyone that there was a thing about me having a girl there that perhaps lads can't be as laddie as they would be mm-hmm. um, and that they had this perception that I was just going to be this kind of posh, um, stuck up, <laughs> <laughs> girls sort of killing their vibe <laughs> excuse me <laughs> um, so yeah the first week was quite tough because I think they were trying to work me out yeah. and I was kind of trying to survive um, and then yeah they kind of just told me about all of that and then 
we moved on. Yeah. But I definitely felt like I had to become one of the guys to yes. survive. I adapted my behaviour. Yes. Um, and listened to a lot of chat about balls and sex. Yes, yes. I, I, I have myself been in that very same situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, following our great travels, we then went to Europe, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. And that was slightly different because it was, it was just me, you and Colin. Yeah, Colin and we're Colin. travelling together. And yeah, Colin is my, or was my, <laughs> um, <laughs> cold dog, cold dog. Uh, was my tour manager. He's, yeah. he's an extraordinary human being. Yes, yeah, so that was just you and me. That was quite a, that was quite an extremely um, isolated version of touring. Yeah. And it's just that way, which can be very pleasant. Although, um, then, because I have a, a female tour manager, sound engineer, Brani. Yeah. Um, and so prior to that, I'd just done tours, which was just me and her. Right. So in a way, it was actually almost like an expansion on that. Right. Because I went from that, that five-week, very intensive, sort of male-dominated tour. Yeah. And then two weeks later, went into my first headline, just me and Brani, for a week. Which is a very stark contrast. Yeah. Um, and also I didn't know her then either. Right. That's always, that's such an interesting thing about touring is so often you end up suddenly having to do a tour with people you've never met before. Yeah. And, and sharing rooms and things like that. And sharing just, rooms, it's yeah. very You're hanging out all day, you're working together and you're hanging out and you're sleeping in the same room. And Yeah, that's really intense. Yeah. I'm so, I'm sorry to rub it in your face, but I'm very happy that I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> I've paid my dues. Yeah, I mean, it's sometimes... It's, it can be almost quite comforting, um, but yeah, it can. If, if it's if it's longer than sort of a week, it starts to get a bit, yeah, know, intense. But you break it up, I suppose. Yeah, because you're you're similar to me in that you need you 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 find your energy in solitude. Yeah, I noticed. Just yeah, actually, I, that was the thing on that that big five week one. Um, I would found myself doing just a lot of walking during the day, just on my own. Yeah, sort of ringing my mum, <laughs> hour long chats, mummy. Um, so yeah, that sort of it was that mo- those moments to kind of just remember that I was a girl. Yes, which is good. Yes, that's nice. Yeah, and interact is. with other women yes. as well. That's what I remember coming off that tour, and like everyone on it was so lovely. And by the end, obviously, you all bond so much. Mm. But I was just really missing female talk. Yeah, which sounds really weird, but yeah. it's and it's not about you know talking about like sheaths and handbags and stuff. No. It's just like it's just a completely different type of interaction. Exactly, and it's uh, there's distinctly feminine ways of interacting. I think mm. that that men aren't excluded from. I think there's a balance of, of female and masculine yeah. traits in all people. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I've experienced that exact same thing, and I think it's that slightly more intuitive, empathetic. <laughs> Sounds very damning. I don't mean it quite so damningly as that, but I, I feel a necessity to be vulnerable. Yeah. And I, um, at certain points in the day. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I feel that best expressed with women. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's hard to sort of show that in a group of sort of 11 men who you don't know very well. Yeah. You, you feel so much more vulnerable that you almost like can't let it out. Yeah. Really. So it's quite intense. Yeah, it's intense. Mm. And it's funny because I don't think we'll ever hear the other side of the coin. I don't think we'll ever have a, a man chatting about going on tour with 11 women. On well, if this podcast goes as well, well yeah, no, but <laughs> see, for me, the ideal balance of touring is when I've got my band and I have Brownie, exactly. um, and sometimes we have Aoife who does like monitors for me as well. So you get, you know, three guys, three girls, and it's just every, it, I, that's when I think everything works really well. The group really gels. Off the top of your head, mm. what do you think working in a female-run studio would offer you? Um, well, it's, it's hard having to kind of think about it because I've never experienced that. Mm. Um, 
I've, I've never even actually, I haven't met a female producer in my, in my term as a musician mm-hmm. um, or female studio engineers. Um, but like, I, I think it's that communication thing that would be the most refreshing. Obviously, I haven't had any trouble in the past with Charlie and mm-hmm. Brett and everything, but I think it'd be a really um, refreshing take on that um, to have that kind of quite subtle female communication and influence mm-hmm. on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I just think it'd be an interesting experience. Yeah, great. <laughs> no, no, that is good. go for it oh, thank you um i i i, I agree i yeah. think that, that the communication would be a really interesting part of it i also think whether i'm consciously aware of it or not i do feel um i feel like i would have more freedom to express perhaps things that weren't very good yeah do you know what i mean make make mistakes where i feel slightly under pressure not to yeah, make a mistake you feel more like you're proving yourself in a man's world a lot of the time in the industry exactly. imagine if that nice cloak was just lifted up yeah, yeah and I think it would nice. also be um probably one of those things and hopefully that it kind of grew and all of that that um that younger women might sort of almost like be inspired to think oh actually there, there's a place where I can do this and not feel like yeah. to, to like learn those skills yeah in in a less male dominated yeah space. exactly uh, that's what I felt you know I did um the only AS level that I passed yeah uh, was music technology yeah. and it was me and eight boys yeah and uh um I, and my dad ran a studio which was very a very manly environment mm. and uh and I, I yes I haven't it's the same with guitar I find I've had a couple of in my older years mm. um in the last couple of years I've taken guitar lessons with guitarists that I admire, a couple with men, which have been really, really great. But it's much easier for me to learn from a woman. Really? I find it so much easier. I don't know why. And, yeah. Um, you know, there's so many male guitar, obviously so many male guitarists that I admire. But I'm always really excited when I see a really extraordinary female guitarist yeah. and if I can get in with a lesson <laughs> with them. Because it's just, I don't know, certain, comp- I don't know what it is. It's yeah. just easier. But what is... A- good thing thinking about the more like technological side of things but I think is where really there's a lot of people that would genuinely actually think oh men can do all that technology stuff better yes when actually like um at the moment there's a lot of sort of female um like well just um women sort of in the music industry who write their own stuff and produce their own stuff Mm -hmm. and you've got people like Grimes and and like Bjork even Bjork was saying she um everyone thinks that that she doesn't program her drums (laughs) Like, yeah, of course she does, you know, and all these women are doing that. But even even then, it, like you know, it was at the top of her game, um, sort of critically acclaimed, like genius superstar, yeah. um, and she still gets people just assuming yeah. that a man will have uh, programmed those drums. Yeah. It's just bizarre. Why would you Why would you think that? And there is no other role the other way around where a man would bring something out and someone would assume that a woman had done something. Yes. We've we've managed to stay away from the F word. Feminism. <laughs> Which I think because I don't think it's relevant to this particular conversation. But no. No, it, that is the thing actually that is something that I um people are always in interviews um asking me basically about being a feminist. Because you don't wear makeup? Because I well, <laughs> because I don't wear makeup, I'm a bit of an investor tomboy. Um but also because I have just um in interviews said, you know, that I find certain things a little bit frustrating. Right. For women. And obviously it's been a very hot topic. Yeah. Over the last yeah. <laughs> Don't talk about that. Um in this context we're just we're talking about an industry yeah. where 
things, certain shifts need to be in place. Yes, and I mean, we could, I, I, I'm always loath to talk about it because it's so boring. <laughs> but I'm gonna. Please go. Um, go it's, uh, you know, obviously, it, it's, I don't like to think about this side of it, but inevitably we work within a huge um, consumerist industry. Yeah. Mm. Um, we are, it, you know, we are a commodity in some way. Um, not a very profitable one to anybody <laughs> but um, we uh, you know and that is certainly a male dominated industry yeah um, it, I, I know that I think about it sometimes and I think is there even a feminine brain well anywhere right present up, at that time when they're thinking about what they're going to do with mm. how they're going to sell this or well and you certainly look at all those the big female stars um, st- stars <laughs> Um, you know, and you have the sort of, um, this sort of, I guess what, as I said, you've got like, you know, Katy Perry, Taylor Swift, Miley Cyrus, Beyonce, Rihanna, mm-hmm. um, and the way they're all like different, differently sexualized. Yes. Um, and, and it's a shame with Beyonce particularly in the last well, couple in, of years. Well, those people that you listed are interesting because they're sexualized and then they're also praised for their, uh, independent, strong, yes. their, stre- their feminine strength, yeah. which I find... I mean, it's so funny to think to think about you and me standing next to Beyonce, Rihanna, and yeah. Miley Cyrus that we exist in the same industry. Yeah, yeah, it's it's bizarre. Um, but you wonder how much of a say they get, or whether if they do have the say, you know, like if, if Miley Cyrus goes, well, you, no, of course I wanted to dress like a baby and say fuck me, so you don't do baby talk and, and dance around mm-hmm. in a nappy. Mm. Um, that that was totally my idea. Like I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you wonder if maybe like there's certain reasons why she might be might have thought that that was a good idea and who's been advising her on yeah. and on why that that would be you know a good thing to put out there yeah. to all her sort of 14 year old fans so yes <laughs> what do you think about that about what the influence on on young people because i think it, i don't think it's 14 year olds i think it's like 8 year olds yeah no that's true actually it's, it goes much lower than that it's it's that's the thing is that what i find horrible about so that kind of arena of, of this industry, they are the most hypersexualized group mm-hmm. and they also have the youngest fan base. Mm-hmm. And that's where I find it, it gets really disgusting. Because there's other artists out there all over the place who um, you know, writing very provocative lyrics and making very provocative ly- um, videos. Mm-hmm. But um, they're, they're very aware of the fact they've got a completely different market. It's that sort of like strange, alternative, edgy kind of market rather than big pop stars and everyone knows the only people that really get on board with massive massive pop stars yeah it's even maybe even younger you've got sort of five to 17 year olds i suppose Mm -hmm. on a a general spectrum which is horrible a spectrum and it's sean connery um but yeah it actually makes me feel a little bit sick with the world a lot of the time (laughs) yes i mean i'm i'm when the when the whole Miley Cyrus debate came in, mm. I think I've actually already talked about this. Yeah, we've discussed we well we've discussed Miley Cyrus quite a lot right. on our travels. The whole Miley Cyrus thing, though, I was like, well, that's it's not even a debate. You know, it's 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 the responsibility of all of us to know the difference between what's what's fabricated sexuality and what's yeah. real sexuality. And I think what I've struggled with a tiny bit is. Um, this awareness of my projection out into the world, my persona, may I say, I'm very clear that my musical self is a persona. Yeah. Um, I'm not sexualized in any... Mm. I'm not a sexual product. Mm. Um, I guess, to some extent, in a in a, in a psychoanalytical way, everything is the sort of sexual yes, product. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But I, I find, and this is a slightly provocative thing to say, but I find in many of my working environments, I have to leave my sexuality behind. And I, mm. I, I resent that, actually. Yeah. Um, so as not to cause any trouble, yeah. basically. Or to have it kind of used against you. as you know. Exactly, or to be, sh- you know, to suddenly be ashamed or exiled. I have this kind of... <laughs> I will disclaim that I did recently read <laughs> Women Who Run With The Wolves, which is right. like a classic <laughs> classic book to talk about these kind of things. But um, I feel this sort of innate... Which I'm... I, part of my evolution as a human being is to overcome these sort of irrational fears. Mm. But um, I feel when I walk into a male-dominated working environment that if I were to um, have my sexuality liberally spread, as it usually is, uh, over mm. everything that I do, yeah. not that I'm ever like climbing all over people at any point... <laughs> <laughs> That that would somehow compromise my position as a dignified, yes. successful yep. songwriter. Yeah, and it's difficult because we live in we we live and occupy a, a, an industry that's very blurred lines anyway. <laughs> Interesting oh, choice. No. Of words. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Actually, that was all set up. The a segue. Whole was set up. <laughs> so blurred lines. <laughs> God, let's not even dignify oh, that with a minute. I, I sort of look at those sort of pop starlets who are sexualized, yeah, and um, they sort of all look a bit stoned and a bit sexy all the time, and mm. and that's cool. And a little part of me is like, wow, I wish I was like that. I wish I was a bit stoned and sexy. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, like, but that's obviously not what I mean. I, I, that's a joke, but um, is it? <laughs> <laughs> mm. um, and then, uh, and I think. Okay, well, that's not that's not how that's not my predominant need or want in life to be yeah. seen as that. Uh, but it's not it's not that that's not any want of mine. Yeah, you know, I feel like sometimes I'm asked to to choose one or the other. Yeah, either you're a respected songwriter and you have this stern image, yeah. this cold image, or people love to make make narrative of my mm. music, and and I love that too. That's that's them playing with me basically. I yeah. find that fun. Or I compromise that by adding sex, my, my true sexuality. And by sexuality, I don't mean, like, the likelihood that I'm going to flirt with someone. No. <laughs> Some, you know, like, I mean just my personality, basically. Yeah. Your, your, your sexuality is very much wrapped up in your personality. Yeah. Um, and I found ways to balance that. Obviously, that's part of living. You find ways to balance that. Mm. But I feel... I wonder whether that's more of a, a feminine problem than a, than a masculine one. Yeah. I, well, I, I feel like it must be... I think there's another category in that as well, which is um, being uh, sweet. Yes. You know, sort of, and being very unthreatening. Yes, the idea that it's all right to be a feminist as long as it's not controversial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to be sort of, you're not allowed to sort of, yeah, be unsweet. Yeah, it's it's this funny, and then it feels like the, you know, that very hypersexual side of of the industry as well. It's like, again, that's also controlled because it's, it's like, that we're doing this for sort of, you know, whoever's up at the top. You know, for, for there's a certain amount of for other people's pleasure, and that, that, that a lot of that is aimed obviously at the, the male side of things. Mm. Um, and then the sweet thing, the very unthreatening thing. It's mm. all like seems like kept in a very safe box for yes. women. You know, ticking those, ticking that, those, all those different boxes that a woman can be technically, yes. you know, but yes. not. It's hard. <laughs> yes, it is, it is. You know, and I think that's what I'd like to highlight in these mm. in these podcasts. It's not that like oh, I want this or I want yeah. that. It's just like ah, oh, that's that's an extra challenge. That yeah, we've got it's in just life. there's it's a lot of frustrations. Yeah, um, yeah, it's just a funny old industry. It is. Yeah, uh, 
We chose it, unfortunately. Yeah. Or it, <laughs> Don't really or it chose us. <laughs> um, I, I, I think, you know, what, one thing that you're very good at and I'm very good at and people dislike us for immensely is that we're very discerning about what we what we listen to yeah. or read or, you know, and I I just don't listen to much contemporary music because it saddens me. Yeah. Um, and I, I wish I could encourage that in other people and not have it put down to snobbery. Yeah. Because, um, because I think it's so powerful what you put into your brain. Yeah. Um, and all of the stuff that's pressed into these children's brains, I think is so sad. I've got a four year old goddaughter who's one of the most extraordinary human beings walking the planet. And, uh, you know, to come up and sing a, um, a Rihanna song at me. <laughs> and I'm not obviously going to say anything's wrong with that, but, like, I just think, oh, you know, and then I'll play, I'll play her some Joan Byers or, you know... Yeah. I, I'll play her some sweet song that I think sweet is a nice message. Yeah. That is kind of twee, I guess, but the messages, the subliminal messages yeah. that are going in, and, mm-hmm. and that's why I don't listen to music that I think is going to... Is going to chance me. Yeah, me well, that's the trance. thing. It's it's we're having our brains effectively trained um, with with that sort of type of music, mm. um, and you kind of think in the next ten years, um, there's only going to be a small percentage of people who probably don't want to challenge their brains. It's like it's, yeah. it's everything's being narrowed down. It's all being shut down just to these four different chord progressions that mm. go around. Um, because, I mean, we're taught from day one when things are familiar. If something is familiar, you get rewarded for it. So you recognise something and it's like, well done, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. good job. Um, I think that's probably something that stays with us in our whole lives. And mm-hmm. when you recognise a song or it feels familiar and it's catchy, mm-hmm. um, people think, that's good. I've, I've done good. I can remember it. Mm-hmm. It must be a good thing because it's in my head. Mm-hmm. And that's the way, kind of, I think people are thinking, well, not even thinking, it's just subliminal. Yes. Um, rather than actually, I mean, the way that I listen to music is I want to be stretched by it or I know I want to be kept on my toes a little bit but I also want it to give me like a smack straight in the stomach as well yeah um and people also don't want that they don't want to be confronted by their sort of inner darkness yes whereas I think it's quite healthy well I don't know if people because I feel like yes not in not in popular music certainly not in contemporary music but um you listen to some you know it's particularly prominent in in opera I guess or, or classical music yeah um the the weight of, of emotion that they mm. put into that music, which I think some people some people translate really well into into contemporary music. I'm struggling to think of literally anybody right now. And Selena <laughs> Johnson's yes, um, and to some extent, Sufjan Stevens does that yeah. very well. I find mm. I find his tone, whatever he's doing with his tone, very very moving. Yeah. Um, so I do think I think yeah, exactly. The people who are putting out records, who are ultimately in charge of putting out music are terrified of, of, of that kind of true originality. Yeah. It's, like, uh, terrifying. Well, every every original artist will need to be sort of marketed in a different way, which is a horrible way of putting it, mm-hmm. but, you know, we'll have to have a different route mm-hmm. um, and probably quite different fan bases, you know, at the same time, but it's, what's the point in that when you've got a mould ready to go um, that mm. will sell vast amounts of records? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so we're coming to the end of our... Uh, uh, giggle chat and uh, have you got anything you want to say uh, you, have you got a favourite memory of, of our time together Oh, that's me fishing I think the first time I managed to drag you out for a gin in Brussels was quite a highlight oh yeah I didn't drink then I but you did really. yeah but you 
finally. Like, because I think we were in our hotel rooms. It was like 8.30 or something, or like 8 o'clock. I was keen on early beds and yeah. no alcohol. And then it was a little text like, this is ridiculous. We went out, had a couple of gins. I think you got a little bit, a little bit tipsy off that, actually. Uh, I hadn't drunk for a while. <laughs> no, that was good because I was really, really um, sad. You mm. got me out of my hotel room, that was nice. Yeah, had a little... It was a, yeah, that was my first sort of like, yes, yes, got it. Yeah. Um, uh, so we are going to say goodbye. Any parting words, everybody? Uh, pff, no. No, nothing. <laughs> See? <laughs>